Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Hi there. Good morning. So we're going to read uh, Zechariah chapter 6, starting uh, in verse 9. Okay, so the word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold from the exiles, Heldai, Tobijah and Jediah, who have arrived from Babylon. Go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from this place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a priest on his throne. And there will be harmony between the two. The crown will be given to Heldai, Tobijah, Jediah and Hen, son of Zephaniah, as a memorial in the temple of the Lord. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the Lord your God. So. What's happened here? This is a mysterious and yet truly awesome passage. Zechariah has just finished his eight visions, one exhausting night in February 519 BC, and he's finished his eight visions. And shortly thereafter, some travellers arrived from Babylon. And uh, these three travellers who are named in verse nine, have arrived from Babylon, Jews presumably, coming with gold and silver offerings for the building of the temple. So they are zealous people who are exiles who didn't come back with the original uh, party that had come back to build Jerusalem, uh, but who have now come bearing gifts of gold and silver to help build this temple. And In verse 11, we're told that Zechariah is, rather than receiving a prophetic vision, is to now perform a prophetic action in that he is to take this gold and silver, go to the house, collect the gold and silver. It's been they've gone to a house of Josiah and uh, they're there in his house with the gold and silver. He's to go immediately to that house, take the gold and silver and make and manufacture a crown. And the word there for crown is actually plural. It's actually crowns. Uh, And uh, really, it's probably a multi-layered crown using gold and silver to create a grand crown, a crown that is like many crowns with many diadems, if you like, that will be suitable for a very important person and uh, a crown that will have many crowns. And it will then to be set onto the head of not Zerubbabel, the governor, but Josiah, uh, Joshua, the priest. It's to be set on the head of Joshua, the priest. Now, there are commentators who are so puzzled by this passage that they think 
there must be a typo here. It must be Zerubbabel because a crown is not put onto a priest's head. In fact, it would be uh, wrong to put a crown on a priest's head because there was a separation of powers in the Old Testament between the king and the priest. And when a king, Uzziah, offered incense to God, which is a priestly duty, he immediately got leprosy. You're not supposed to separate to to put together the king and the priest. But here we have this priest who is crowned. And um, now this is not a mistake. It is Joshua who is to be crowned, because if you had crowned Zerubbabel, it would have been an act of rebellion to crown the governor uh, and to make him king. No, this is instead an action that is prophetic and pointing ahead. A priest who, as it says in verse 13, will have a will sit on his throne and there will be harmony between the two, harmony between the king and priest. They will be one. The king and the priest will be harmonized into one. Now, this, of course, is pointing ahead to the new covenant. And we find in Hebrews chapter seven, uh, there in Hebrews seven, we're told that there is a new covenant that uh, we are being brought into, that we have been brought into. And this covenant is a better covenant. And it is a covenant that involves a leader who is in the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was an ancient um, king of Salem, who was also priest of the Most High God. And he prefigured the Messiah, who would be a priest king. And we have Jesus, who is this priest king. And we're told in verse 25 that therefore, because he is our priest king, he is able to save completely or save to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for us. This is a priest king who has everything we need, who is able to save us to the uttermost. Such a high priest meets our needs, who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart, exalted above the heavens. And so we're told in chapter eight and verse one that the point of this is we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by God. And so we're pointing ahead here. You see, really, this explanation that comes at the end of the eight visions Zechariah had is the climax of the whole set of visions. It's pointing ahead to a spiritual reality beyond the building of this earthly temple back in 520 BC, pointing ahead to a eternal temple and an eternal priest king who would supersede Joshua and Zerubbabel and who would be united as one, a holy king. Do you know that to have a holy king is the best possible scenario that you could hope for? A king who is not out in it for his own interests, but a king who is holy, a king who serves his people by being a priest first and then a king who is exalted, but who first comes humbly to meet the needs of his people, to sacrifice, to be sacrificed for his people, to atone for the sins of his people, and then to continually serve and minister to his people as a priest who is also a king who is exalted. I love what one commentator says 
about this. A true priest king is the perfect leader. A priest has compassion on his flock. He serves and ministers to their needs. He, his rule is based not on the sword he wields against them, but on the sacrifice he offers for them. This is a king who dies for his subjects. As Jesus himself said, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. His rule is yielded in gentleness. His scepter is not the warrior's mace, but the, the reed, emblem of the lowliness of his heart and of authority guided by love. We have a king who loves us, who cares for us, who ministers to us, who meets our need as a priest as well. And in Hamilton, the musical, there's this line where King George is singing about the um, the, the renegade Americans who are, who are wanting independence. And he says to them that when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion as a uh, to to reward to remind you of my love. He says, I'll send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Well, Jesus is not like that. He isn't a king who comes to force himself upon his people and rule with an iron rod and um, and for selfish purposes. But he comes as a king, as a priest to serve us. And then as a king who is exalted and who is robed in majesty, as it tells us in uh, Philippians not, uh, chapter two, he is. He humbled himself as a man. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So as it tells us in Revelation 5, he is worthy. The lamb is worthy. As it tells us here in our passage today in verse 13, he is now clothed in majesty. He is this priest who is crowned, clothed in majesty, seated because he has finished his job. He is the God man, the one who is clothed in majesty and yet behold the man it says the one who comes as a man and he what is his job his job he is a branch it tells us in verse 12 who branches out from this place to build the temple of the lord he is this little branch who comes from the people of god from judah from an obscure place comes in obscurity a branch who will branch out and who will build the temple of the lord who will build his church and one final thing we note here it says that those who are from far away will be brought and who will come and help build the temple we have here this promise that people from far away, like these travellers had come in from far, people who are far away will be brought to into this temple that the branch is building, that the Messiah King is building. As it tells us in Ephesians chapter two, we are included. Those who are far off have been brought near and have been included in the people of God, in the temple of God. We're part of the people of God. This priest king has brought us from afar to involve us. We are included in this great thing that this great priest king is doing. And he is crowned with many crowns, as it tells us in that great hymn. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but his own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. 
Lord, we thank you that you are our priest king. We hail you as our matchless king, the lamb who died for us, the king who reigns for us, the king who is majestic and exalted, crowned with many crowns. We submit ourselves to you this day and we thank you that you can meet our every need as we follow you today. In your name we pray. Amen.